Hello and welcome to a special edition of The Long View, live from ConCon Con 2013. We are in lovely Stamford, Connecticut. Uh, I'm here with some special guests and uh, we are going to talk to you today about abstract games. And today I'm joined by two very special guests and that would be Joe Gola and John McDonough. And uh, gentlemen, first of all, I want to thank you two for uh, joining me today no and uh, agreeing to be on the podcast. No problem. My pleasure. Um, so I wanted to do this uh, spot. Um, Joe, I met you last year. We played some games, had a great time together. Um, you're a wonderful teacher of games, and uh, we had a blast. We had a very interesting game of Princess of the Renaissance, which I still love to bring up, even though you don't. <laughs> but what we are looking to do today is talk a little bit about abstract games, because when I first uh, saw the list for ConCon, and for those of the people who aren't familiar, ConCon is a convention here in Stamford, Connecticut. It's relatively small. But it's a really nice kind of uh, intimate atmosphere, I would say. I don't know what you guys think. I think it's very relaxed. I mean, there's the uh, I find it very um, very non-clicky. You know, it's everybody's playing with everybody else. So but this is the only one I really go to. So I can't really speak from experience. <laughs> it's a nice size, I think. Yeah. yeah, definitely a nice size, and also very family friendly. I can say that as well because yeah. uh, I bring my kids here every year, and uh, people don't turn their noses up uh, if they want to play a game or ask to play a game with them. People are very accommodating and uh, gracious and uh, all kinds of games are played here from Euro games. Uh, I haven't seen too many war games but I've seen a few um, and then of course uh, what we're going to be talking about today is abstract games and so when I was first looking at the uh, sort of ConCon geek list they put this out every year to so sort of say like okay these are the games that are going to be available for you to sign up to play. They're not tournaments they're just events. Um, I noticed that uh, Joe you had posted a, a sort of a message in a thread that you were going to do sort of an abstract game Sunday and that kind of got me thinking you know uh, abstracts don't get a lot of love and uh, honestly personally I'm not much of an abstract game fan myself other than games like maybe Hive uh, I remember growing up playing games like Othello uh, things of that nature but I was never a huge chess fan and, and I, abstracts are definitely not my normal cup of tea um, but I know you guys have a real passion for them and I thought you know what I want to talk to some people who love abstract games and who can maybe share with us what it is about these games that attract you what are some of your favorite games and anything else that comes to mind so gentlemen let me ask you why do you think abstract games don't get as much love as other kinds of uh, families of games when it comes to abstracts it's like um, there are the people who are very into like only one game say chess or go and they want to learn everything about that game uh, but they don't want to branch out Whereas, um, yeah, the other type of gamer who just wants to play every type of Euro game or any type of game that's out there, and they're not really concentrating on abstracts because there's no real theme to it. It's like there's no, you're not killing aliens or you're not, you know, building a church for the prince or something like that. So abstracts in general kind of like, abstract fans kind of like are in between the two. They don't want to concentrate on one game, but they, they don't need a theme in order to play it. I think, I think too that um, you know for for the type of gamers that we're more familiar with you know people who are playing the you know coming to the cons and playing board games um, they're looking to they're looking for a more social experience and so they're looking for you know they're, they're we're playing games that take four people and those are a lot hard, uh, harder to organize um, so you know you get your gaming groups you get your conventions um, if I want to play abstracts 
all I got to do is find one guy, and we're fine, you know. And so, uh, um, you know, I think that, you know, there probably are a lot more abstract gamers out there. It's just they're not necessarily at cons. They're not necessarily in your gaming group. And, and abstracts are one of the types that can be easily played online, um, as opposed to, say, like, um, like a Settlers of Catan or something like that. You can play that online. Settlers of Catan is more fun playing it live. Abstracts are, are more fun playing live, but you can also play it online and not really. There's really not a lot of talking in abstracts. You're 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 just thinking and you're trying to think about what your other person is thinking. You don't really need that uh, right. to have a conversation while you're playing it. So I'd like to kind of uh, circle back to two of the points that you guys uh, are talking about, though, and I want to ask you this. You said that uh, you feel that many abstract gamers want to sort of focus on one game. They have a passion for chess. They have a passion for Go. Do you think that that's because abstracts have more depth to them of maybe strategy to explore than a standard board game? Is that why people want to dedicate themselves to it? Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. That's the fascination. I mean, when I play chess, I'm starting to get into Go as well. These two games are just so deep um, that you can spend really, and all people do, a lot of people do, a lifetime learning that one game. Um, the same thing can be said for any of the abstract strategy games that Joe and I play together. We played a lot of the uh, GIF series which is a, a series that came out in the 2000s. They have a lot of depth to it, too, but they're not studied in the same way that Chester goes because, for lack of any other reason, I think, there's no way to really make money playing these games. You can and go and, and chess. Through tournament play, you Through mean. tournament play, exactly. And uh, the uh, the amount of people that are playing these these other abstract things like the gift series, there's just not as much of them as chess and go. So, uh, yeah, any of the games that we play have that depth and um, could actually um, If they were to get that exclusivity you're talking about, you think there's enough depth there to mine and say, yes. games in the gift series uh, as there is perhaps in chess. Are, are you willing to go that far? Yes, say, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's because um, there's actually a few games that actually have guides. Uh, there's actually, if you look on search... Search online. There is um, there is a, 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 a few uh, pages devote desserts, which is a gift game uh, that provides strategy hints. So yeah, the potential is there. It's just the um, I guess the popularity isn't. I, that's the only way I can put it. So. so Joe, let me ask you, and 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 this is no disrespect to you at all, but Joe, let me ask you. I know that you're more familiar with some of the heavier. Uh, kind of Euro games. I mean, you and I have, have played a couple ourselves. I know you're a big Reiner Kinesia fan. Um, would you agree with what he's saying, that there's there's just more depth inherently in abstracts to explore than there are in typical or even atypical, like exceptional Euro games? I think so. Um, because when you have... It's, it's not really... It's not to disrespect a, a heavier Euro game. Um, because... Even the best of those Euro games, you you know, well, the, a lot of them have a random element, okay, and and that takes a certain degree of skill as well to know, um, to understand the odds and play the odds and all that. But um, even a game that has no random element, you do have the unpredictability of the other players, and so even even if you play the best game that you can, that you can, uh, you know, there are times when. 
you have a loose cannon at the table and everything goes to hell. And we've all experienced this with games like Puerto Rico or, or what have you. And so, uh, and one of the, the, the beautiful things about abstracts is it's really just you and the other person. There's no, no third person can ruin the game for you. Only you or your opponent can ruin the game for you. Well, that definitely sounds like, you know, something that if you are into heavy strategy then, if you really enjoy strategy in games and, and not so much the experience of games, and that's the other thing I wanted to circle back to with you, um, that, that then abstract might be a way to go, yes? I think so, but again, I that's not to that's not to to, to knock right. Euros at all, because they have their own they have their own charm to them, you know. Absolutely. But, the first strange thing I have with Euros is that um, if some player makes a choice, uh, you are prevented from making that choice in the future, even though you may need that for your win condition. Um, like somebody takes a particular tile that you wanted all along during the game and now you can't play it. Um, whereas, whereas abstracts, the choices are, are still there, but there's just... Okay, let me put it this way. There's only one type of choice you can make in an abstract. There are many types of choices you can make in a Euro, and I find that concentrating on just the limited amount of choices in an abstract appeals to me a little bit more than a Euro. I can wrap my head around that a lot easier. One of the things I want to ask you about, though, too, is is you had mentioned something earlier about theme, right? Mm -hmm. And you had talked about how abstracts typically don't have... Uh, you know, really a theme to them. No. And, and and I would have to agree based on my limited experience. But what I'm curious about and what I want to get your guys' take on is this notion of, all right, is there a difference between theme and narrative? Like theme and a story. And what I mean by that is this. You know, you can you can play a game of Eclipse and there's definitely a theme there, you know, of this space exploration and, you know, battles and, uh, you know, trying to exploit resources from planets and expand your empire, etc., right? So there's a theme there and, and there's also kind of this narrative that's told along with that. Uh, and you can say that for many, many Euro games, even the ones about trading in the Mediterranean or the ones about building churches. There's this kind of narrative. There's a story that's told by the game. Not in every Euro, but in a lot of Euros, right? But what I want to ask you is, is there, is, is there a separation? Can you separate theme from narrative? Because it seems to me that abstracts still have the possibility of telling a story, of having a narrative to them just abstractly. Right. Is there something to that or would you disagree? No, there I I it's a it's a it's a story, it's a different kind of story, you know. And the the it's a it's a, it's a more abstract story, but it can be a very uh, a very powerful story and we can be playing something and the various changes in fortune can be very memorable if we know the game well. Um, and you can't you can't tell it in a you can't tell it in a comic book way the way you can you know a lot of other games that we play you can't tell it in a, a real world analog you know I went to I went to Italy and I attacked and burned down the Vatican or whatever you know it's a great story you, I mean not a nice story but that's a story you warning can tell for people. the new pope all right yes, exactly. heads up you've been warned so Joe Gold is coming for you. <laughs> So yeah, so you can go around and tell anyone that story and they understand it because there's a real world analog. It's much harder to tell someone else's story of an abstract, but for the two people who are playing it, it's very distinct and um, 
to me, a lot of times it's a lot more exciting because you can, you know, there's a lot of games you play where you can say, oh, I traveled to, you know, I traveled to the Andromeda system and did all this wonderful stuff with the aliens and what have you. But in terms of the actual gameplay, it might not be particularly interesting. You know, you might just be rolling dice and moving a little piece across the board. And even if it makes a great story to tell, um, is it that great a story to experience? You know, we were playing a very... uh, we were playing a very trashy game last night that had dwarves and and, and, and magic golems and uh, and secret scrolls and all this what have you. But at the end of the day, we were just rolling a lot of dice, <laughs> you know. And uh, abstract is a bit the opposite. Just there's not a lot to hang your imagination on, but you are actually experiencing something that's a lot more visceral. Well, I was going to say that I think that a lot of um a lot of games, a lot of the Euros um, can be reduced to abstract, you know, principles. Like, yes. You know, you're removing this piece over here, and then you get this thing over here, but the story helps you follow it along, or the theme, I should say. The theme actually, instead of saying, oh, I'm moving the red cubes over here and the blue cubes over here, you can say, oh, I'm moving my, you know, workers Wizard. over here and, like, in, you know, I'm moving the planner over here or what have you. So it makes it a little easier to follow. Um, because abstracts have so few choices of what the individual pieces can do, it's a lot easier to follow without a theme. Um, it's a lot, uh, you can wrap your head around that a lot easier than saying like, you know, um, uh, you know, if you had uh, pieces which had a hundred different, a hundred different pieces with a hundred different types of movement, you kind of need a theme. There's actually games in Japan that are, have that many pieces that... You know, yeah, or you can just think about, uh, you know, Tigris and Euphrates, you know, Matt, you know, that's... A lot of people will consider that a very abstract game, yes. but imagine trying to learn it without the theme. <laughs> exactly. Like that how, was my point. What would make sense? You know, it wouldn't really make a lot of sense um, why some things could do one thing and other things can do the other. So, I think you know, to your point, yeah. it can help inform the, the theme, helps exactly. inform the gameplay. Exactly. But uh, abstracts usually the rules are so um, streamlined that that's not necessary. Mm-hmm. So, abstracts, uh, I think I agree with everything you guys are saying, um, because I, that's been my experience as well. You know, uh, abstracts are, are generally very clean, um, they, they have a very elegant, kind of simple rule set, limited choices, like you've talked about. You don't have 50,000 choices right. uh, that you can make. Um, and, and so, I, I think I would definitely agree with that. Do you? How do you then account for the the huge variety? Then I mean, if if abstracts are simple, if they are refined, maybe instead of saying simple, they're refined. How do you explain the huge diversity of abstract games that are out there? I mean, wouldn't you think you'd be retreading the same ground over and over well, if you're taking simplified mechanics like that? Yeah. Well, some of the some of them are. I mean, there's there's a there's a type of um, game called the N in a row game that the object of the game is to get a certain amount of your color in a row. The simplest version of that and the one everybody's played in their lifetime is tic tac toe. You're trying to get that in a row and. Um, Another one is, um, uh, let me see, Pente. Pente is another one, (laughs) Connect Four. Connect Four, very simple, Um, basic one. The one one of the gift games, Yinch is the same way. Um, So there are variations on the theme. Uh, uh, A lot of the, um, there's a lot of chess variants, there's a lot of checkers variants. Um, But as far as 
I understand what the point you're trying to make is that there are there does seem to be a wide variety of different styles of those within those you know groupings I do. I can't account for that. Maybe Joe has some thoughts. Well, it's just human creativity. You know, you can't stop people from making stuff up. You know, <laughs> and, and every once in a while they make up great stuff. You know, I mean, like the, the you know. I'm a big fan of the Gip project, and uh, Chris Berman put out six games and called it a project, and then he came up with a seventh and uh, kicked one of the old ones out and tacked on a seventh, and I would have thought, how can he come up with another idea? And yet he did, and it's it's very it's very uh, hard to categorize, and he really did just yeah. come up with something completely new and interesting. So That game's called Zar. Zar is the game, yeah. yeah. So, I mean... People just make stuff. <laughs> the, a, good, a very good example of this is, is something our friend Avery uh, uh, brings to every convention. It's called the Shibumi set. And basically it's just uh, a 4x4 grid with uh, three different colored balls. Uh, red, blue, I'm sorry, red, black, and white. And this person created this thing and just put it out there online and invited uh, people to create games from just these simple elements. And there's now a book out with about 30 different games of it from just this one set. So what Joe was saying, this is like, once people put the stuff out there and just people are making up. Another great example, playing cards. Right. People are constantly making stuff from playing cards. People are still making new games from playing cards. So it's... I think about that Ice House uh, series Yeah, as yeah well. that's another yeah. example. Yeah. yeah. I've not played any of the Ice House games, unfortunately, but I, I will before I <laughs> before long. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so, so basically, my original premise, my original thought when I when I wanted to do this with you guys was kind of talking about like you know why don't abstracts get more love? And you guys seem to be contending that they do get love, just not at this setting, not in a convention type of setting. That there's lots of abstract gamers out there. And even I, you know, I come to a convention like this I'm you know I'm if my first priority is looking for to get to play the games that I can't it's hard to get played elsewhere because it needs a lot of people or it needs a lot of enthusiastic people and it's a niche game but um, but also but that's I think that's why we carved out this little Sunday morning though right. because we're trying it is, to get more people into it it is great to have well you know even if we just play them amongst ourselves True. I'm happy <laughs> it is great to you know be able to hook up with people who are like-minded and enjoy the same, the same. Sort of and this thing. is this is actually the this is the second year I've come to ConCon, and we kind of did this even less unofficially last year. Yes, it was like there was if we were, a game were over. I found Joe's like, oh, let's play GIF, and I found Avery, let's play Canon. Um, so this this was like just a kind of a semi-official way to see who else out there at the con would be interested in this. And you know, promote and teach others new games that we've discovered and uh, enjoyed over the past year. And what has been uh, what, what's been your experience this year? Had, how many people have you had come? Have you had a good response? A good reaction? We've had to about this? six people. So uh, about six, but um, four. We was the people I mentioned: Joe and Avery and our friend Eric. And then um, um, we had a was uh, this other gentleman come in, and we, I told him Camisado. Um, I can't say this is a, a runaway success, but you know, if I taught one person one new game, that's a win. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, basically, uh, I, I'm actually uh, I'm not quite so altruistic as uh, John is here. I just wanted to basically get these guys here to play a bunch of games. <laughs> Whoever else showed up, I mean, that's nice. I'm really I don't care so if people learn anything. I don't event. really care if you come away a better person. <laughs> I care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
not looking to expand like, the their yeah. mind or anything. Yeah. Like you just want to play. <laughs> <laughs> if they show up, they show up. Who cares? Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, you know, and, and uh, I've been kind of, uh, I think the reason I haven't played many abstracts is exactly the reason, Joe, you said you do. Which is that, you know, you're saying you have a lot of opportunities to play games with two people. Whereas most of my gaming takes place with more. Yeah. Which maybe would account for why, you know, my, the, the, the few abstracts that I do have, um, you know, are, are, are basically those two player. Um, you know, Hive is probably my favorite um, abstract. I really enjoy that. And to me, that kind of almost seems like a chess variant. It is. Uh, because, you know, the pieces are, are basically, each piece does something unique and, and something different. And you're trying to capture one piece yes, on the board. Yes, absolutely. And, and uh, it, it's like chess without a board is kind of the way mm -hmm. I describe it mm -hmm. um, to a lot of people. But I, I also remember playing like Reiner Kinesia's Ingenious, and, and I kind of liked that game because it was one of the few abstracts that I had found that was multiplayer. Right. So if people like me don't play a lot of abstracts because... I can't really see a lot of multi. Are there more multiplayer abstracts out there that you guys might be able to recommend if people are looking to get into abstracts other than Ingenious? I can remember. I can recommend two. Okay. Uh, the first one is uh, Clans. That can be played up to five players, and that's essentially an abstract. Um, I haven't played in a while, but I remember having an abstract, and it does have a theme. Okay. <laughs> And the other one I can recommend is Torres, which also has a theme, but it's essentially an abstract. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Callisto, which is another Knizia game, and uh, it's, basically, it's a very simple game where you're basically trying to, actually it's quite similar to, to Blockus, um, where you're trying to simply get all of your pieces on the board, but you have to connect to the pieces you've already played. And I guess Blockus is a good example as well. I've not played Blockus, but that's a four-player game, from what I understand. <laughs> Okay, great. Well, that's some good recommendations. I appreciate that, guys. Um, so I guess the, the last thing I really want to talk to you guys about um, is I, I just want to ask you, like, what are your favorite abstracts and why? What are the ones you gravitate to? Well, for, for the traditional ones, I'm getting very much into Go because it's, it's deeper than chess. It's deeper than any abstract game I've ever played. When it comes to the more modern ones, the one I'm... Um, uh, the one I'd say like most of all is Zertz. I enjoy playing Zertz a lot, um, basically because I can wrap my head around it easier and I can I win most of the time. <laughs> the other ones I enjoy too, but like Zertz, Zertz is one I really enjoy playing. So. Um, I'm a big fan of the Gipf project. There's uh, officially six, unofficially seven in the project. Uh, my favorite of those is Dvan. Um, and it has, I, why do I like it? Maybe also just because I'm good at it. But well, I've, been, I've, played, I've never won against him in any gift game. So I've, uh, <laughs> it's something that I played online a lot. And what I liked about it is that there was a very uh, nice learning curve where even 50 games into it, I still felt like I was getting better at it as I went along you know and in the you know you can play the game where you set it up randomly and uh, once you get a little bit better at it you start doing the setup yourselves and uh, I started realizing boy the setup is actually pretty important like even the very first moves are important and um, the gradual uh, you know the, the, the feeling that you're always improving is very pleasurable that's a, that's a, I was going to agree with him in the fact that um, that's one of the appeal of abstract strategy games is that you've learned something that you can carry over to the next game 
and and you're not dealing with too many. Um, there's a there's a there's a return on your investment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is yeah, this is a theme that I've kind of picked up on when I look at a you know when I've talked to people about games that have been around for a while and that they love. This theme has popped up quite a bit. This idea of you know great games seem to give you a return on your investment in that if you're willing to invest the time, if you're willing to play it uh, more than just a handful of times, there's enough depth there that you will actually get better at exactly. the game. You will learn something about the game. It's not, it's not just that um, you're getting better at it, but when you play against a similar, similarly strong opponent, the game becomes much all that more intense. You're not sort of flailing, you know, fishing around, trying, trying things haphazardly. You're doing something very pointed, and getting back to the idea of the story, the story becomes extremely strong, um, and uh, it's, uh, you know, it can be very intense. And if the other player is a good player, by which I mean both that the other player is skilled and also that they're a good sport, um, mm. and just fun to hang around with, uh, it's a great. Uh, to me, it's a great experience. Do you think that 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 growth, though, that skill level that you're talking about, do you think that that actually might be something that is, that makes getting into abstracts more difficult? Like, let me give you an example. I, I have a friend, Justin, who plays Paths of Glory. We actually recorded an episode about Paths of Glory. It's his favorite war game. And yet, when I talk to him about, hey, maybe we could play it sometime, he's kind of like, well, yeah, kind of, but... Maybe I, and, and when I kind of pushed him on, like, why are you hesitating? You said this is your favorite game, and he's like, "Well, I've played it so much, and you haven't. Our skill levels are so widely different mm -hmm. that it would really just kind of be like a tutorial thing for me." And I'm totally cool with that. He's like, "But, but just understand, if I play and you play, I'm probably going to destroy you because." I have this this kind of background knowledge, this skill, this experience with the game. So what I what I'm talking about with abstracts, then, if it can it be difficult to play abstracts sometimes because you can't find an opponent that is kind of of commensurate sort of experience with you, and does that detract then from the experience for you? Yes, but it, it does depend on the game a little bit. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I don't play chess very often is that it's, you know, for the reason that people can, you know, uh, a good player will have memorized many openings. Mm -hmm. And as smart as you are, you know, no matter how on you are in that moment, it's very hard to, uh, to, to, to overcome that. A person who has just memorized out uh, a, a large tree of moves and can uh, hit you hard in the opening and then after that you're, you know, it's very hard to get back. Um, not all games are like that. Um, and I think to me that's one of the appeals of the, uh, the Gip series is that they're, you know, at most they're only t 12 or 13 years old. The oldest is only 12 or 13 years old. And so it's not like anyone can pick up a Gip textbook, even me, yeah. and uh, learn how to uh, uh, be a good player without even having played a match. I think it's it's it depends on the abstract because like certain abstracts are played very often like you mentioned chess and go and there's a lot of literature on that. Whereas um, if you get two abstract strategy fans and say, um, hey, let's try this new game. Um, I've never played before. You've never played before. Right. It's a lot easier to learn that when the rules only take five minutes to learn. And then usually when I like 
play an abstract for the first time, whether it's against a stronger player like Joe, or <laughs> or uh, or, uh, or whether I should put this way, whether the other person's played before or, or a weaker not, player like. Like <laughs> we could play like me. Well, like we could play like uh, I'm not uh, he threw it on himself. Um, <laughs> Come um, on. Or when like say Joe's playing against a weaker player like me. Uh, it's 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 you get an aha moment. It's like you get this moment like, oh now I get the mechanic and now I get the strategy and then you want to build on that later on. So I think that I think because well, for the abstracts that, that, that we that we for the unusual abstracts like it posts uh, the less popular ones right. for the popular ones I'm talking about chess and go the the, the playing field's kind of level unless, unless but, you know, but also it, they're incredibly easy usually to uh, handicap you just take away a couple pieces oh really okay yeah because I mean I kind of felt like you know my, my overall question to you guys was like if Joe wanted to play Zertz with me yeah would that be any fun for Joe at all? I've never played it. I would imagine that he would completely destroy me fairly quickly in the game. So would he have any enjoyment out of it? Whereas when you take a game like a Euro game, even if you lose, and you lose badly, because Euro games are kind of designed to keep everybody in it, there's no player elimination. Sure, you might come in last place. You might lose by 20 or 30 points, but you still did accomplish some things, and you can walk away from it feeling good, and everybody kind of maybe feels like they had an enjoyable time. Would you enjoy playing Zertz with me? I think that a good abstract strategy player would not play that way. I mean, for instance, I was teaching uh, John Devon, um, and this was a game that I played many, many, many times. Uh, he, it was his first time playing, and I talked him through the whole thing because I don't want, I don't want him to uh, get clobbered and run off in a huff and never want to play again. The point is, I want to teach him what I like about the game. So he says, "Oh, okay, I got clobbered, but now I really want to know how to play well." I think with abstract strategy uh, players, they tend to teach while they. If you're going to play something that you've played before and that your opponent hasn't. You're teaching it as as you're doing it. Like Joe and I just played a game called Camisado, and throughout the game, both of us are talking about, oh, if I go here, then we go here, and like we weren't trying to compete. We were trying right. to and we, understand you know, and learn the game. So would, that's probably what he would do with you. That's what yeah. I would do with you if you taught me certs. So, we, you know, the in the yeah, and when we play together and we're learning games, we take back moves all the time. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not like out to beat John at all costs. He's not out to beat me at all costs. We want to have a good game. We both want to get better at the game. Right. I think that's at the first few times we play, we're going to be teaching that way. After a while, then it says, okay, now we're just going to play. Yeah. And then, and now it's going to become more of a competition unless right. I'm teaching thing. Yeah, once, so, he, once he beats me a few times, then all bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> all the mistakes he can make. Well, sure, I, John, I, that's a great move. Well, I, I, yeah, I, think, I think a good example is, is uh, the game I mentioned, Zerts, is like I was taught to, that was taught to me by my friend Eric. And like, you know, at, when it started off, he was beating me like four or five times. And then after a while, I started getting it, then we're on an even plane. Right, right. There's a, there's a saying in Go that says... Um, you're going to lose your first 50 games, so lose them quickly. Right, right. That's well, how and, and maybe work. that's why maybe that's why it works really with abstracts better than say with war games because you know when I was talking to my friend Justin, you know, to play one game of Paths of Glory is probably going to take you eight hours. Yeah. Exactly. And so you know he well, would play- obviously be in teaching mode, but wouldn't necessarily and, and he would enjoy teaching me. I, I don't want to make him out sound like a bad guy because no, he's, no, he's no, one of the nicest Justin guys really right now. Sounds like a piece I don't of know. I don't know that guy. <laughs> but no, like, but but what I'm saying 
saying is, is that, you know, I think that experience level, when you're talking about playing games that maybe take six, seven, eight hours, is vastly different. It's almost like the, the life cycle of a bacteria is so short, you know? Like, yeah. you're talking oh, yeah. about these little, like these that. abstract games where the turnaround time is so quick that you can learn a lot, it sounds like you guys are saying, relatively quickly. And so, yes, you might not be playing optimally, Joe, if you're playing me, or John, you might not be playing yeah. optimally, playing me uh, in uh, Casimato, did I say that right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're going to play a few games in the exactly. space of an hour, and then maybe I will have learned a few things, and, and it'll at least be more enjoyable for you. Would you say that, that that's true? I hope so. Absolutely, absolutely. I think a lot of times, which if... if a lot of times you're playing an abstract for the first time after the end of the first game you'll be like you know what set that up again right let's play that again because I'm, I'm you know and, and that's that you can't do with Paths of Glory Right, right. And, so. and, and it's also difficult to do increasingly with Euros because, you know, um, I, I've been teaching a lot of Euros this weekend here at CogCon, including uh, like Stefan Fels' Bora Bora. And I mean, even teaching that game multiple times now, it still takes me 20 minutes to explain that game. Yeah. It's ridiculously complex. And because who plays of Euros the, twice anyway? But, <laughs> I mean, there's always another I one. do. I, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, well, I, I, I see. Right. But I see what you're saying. Like, the rule set in abstracts is so concise. Yeah. It doesn't take long to learn. It doesn't take long uh, to play. And so, therefore, you can cycle through very, very quickly. Mm. So, well, guys, I, I really want to, you know, we, we've, we've uh, gone here, and, and I, I don't want to keep you from more abstract <laughs> gaming. So uh, I want to thank you both, uh, uh, John and Joe, for stopping uh, uh, by and taking the time to do this little recording with me about abstracts. I hope that it encourages people. Um, to maybe consider giving uh, some abstract games more of a go, especially since uh, you know you guys have helped me throw some recommendations out there for multiplayer abstracts, and then you know you've you've listed some of your personal favorites that uh, you know people should hopefully still be able to find. So um, thanks again for uh, taking the time and. Uh, for Joe and for John and myself uh, here on this special edition of The Long View, thank you for listening. 